When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's April 16th, 2021, and this is episode 288. You are invited to join me and my dear friend and longtime co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com, as we talk about the importance of creating personal policies. Now, this is such a fascinating topic, and I promise you, it is going to help you with decision fatigue. It's going to help you with feeling confident in maintaining boundaries and just generally make your life more awesome every single day. I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back awesomes to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We hope you know that you have found your way to the most awesome community of women that exists on the internet right now. You can find our community all over the place on YouTube and TikTok. Of course, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Basically, if amazing women are gathering there, then you can find Sort of Awesome there too. You might like to know that we also have a daily podcast where my husband Kyle and I talk through what's awesome from each date, both past and present. So if you're looking for someone to help you start your day with good stuff, go over and check us out on Awesome Today. So hello, Rebecca. How are you, my friend? Hi, I'm good and I'm happy to be here. How are you today? I'm super excited about this episode. In fact, this episode idea was one that you had based on a discussion in our sort of awesome hangout group where so many of our discussion ideas come from. You thought, hey, this would be a good show topic. And I'm not kidding. What I said at the top of the show is so true that this idea of personal policies is changing my life already. And I've just been thinking about it for a couple of days. It's so good. I can't wait to dig into it. Yes, it's going to be so good. Truly, it has me thinking about why and how boundaries can be so hard. This concept of personal policies makes it easier. So you guys stay tuned. We have so much to cover. We're going to talk about what personal policies are, why create them. We're going to give you some examples from our lives. I even have an example of a personal policies fail to share with you so we can all learn and grow from my mistakes. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, it's true. I probably have more than one fail to share, but I'm just going to do the one publicly. So, <laughs> But before we get to all of that conversation, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. This is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product something that's making life a little happier. Rebecca, what do you have for us this week? I am bringing to the awesomes a vintage one-piece swimsuit by the company Apopi. I purchased this on mm. Amazon for just under $30. Mm. 
and I think it is worthy of being an awesome of the week. I would describe this as a full coverage swimsuit. I purchased it last summer and I was jumping around the pool like crazy. We were on a family vacation and we <laughs> we had some inner tube floats and we made it this game to see who could jump through three of them stacked on top of each other from the side of the pool. And I was like, hey, I know I'm like the boring mom here, but I am joining in on this and I am going to conquer. And that swimsuit held me in jump after jump after jump after jump. So that's a good swimsuit right there. That's saying something. I don't care if you're a mom, a dad, a kid, whatever. If a swimsuit can kind of keep you covered and hold you all together when you're jumping through three inner tubes stacked up on (laughs) the surface of the pool, that's worth mentioning for sure. So the swimsuit has a square neckline that provides maybe just a hint of cleavage, depending on how busty you are. And it also has some wider straps that are adjustable. And then there's this ruching that goes all along the waist, and it comes in a ton of colors and patterns. So Amazon has 22 options for solid colors and patterns, and the sizes that they have available are 6 to 18. Now, I purchased my suit in this red wine color, and I absolutely love it. It's this really dark, rich red. I think a red swimsuit is so fun, but sometimes you're not really in the mood for like fire engine red. And I love how flattering this deep red is. And I would recommend it. I also will say that along the booty, it's also, I would say, full coverage. It's not a cheeky swimsuit by any means. So if you're looking for a one piece that you can splash around in the pool in, frolic in the waves in, I really think that this one is worth checking out. Okay, good. And you said you found it on Amazon, right? Yes. So the link will be in the show notes. Super easy to find it. Awesome. It is getting to be swimsuit season. So that is a perfect pick for this week. Love it. Okay, Rebecca, I am super excited to tell you my awesome of the week this week, because I think you personally, you, Rebecca, I think you're going to really like this one. Are you ready? Well, I saw the name of it and I can't wait to hear about it. So tell me everything. Okay. So the name of the podcast is Spectacle. An Unscripted History of Reality TV, something that you and I talk a lot about both on the show, but also in just our personal lives is various reality TV things. And so this just came across my radar this past week. This is like an in the moment awesome of the week. I just discovered this, although it did launch in February. So I think there's 10 episodes of it out at this point. So it's not brand new, but I just found it. It is hosted by a woman named Mariah Smith. Mariah is a comedian, a writer, a producer who lives in Los Angeles. She has a popular blog that's called Continuity Errors. And continuity is spelled with a K because on that blog, she tracks continuity errors in keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, how fun. (laughs) So she's like our kind of person, Rebecca. She is not only just a casual watcher of reality TV. No, she is in for the deep dive for the analysis of the show. Mariah has written for a ton of media outlets. And one of her main passions is really, like I said, dissecting reality TV. So she's the perfect host for a podcast like this. But here is the whole gist of spectacle. She tracks down and lays out for us both the creation and the evolution of reality TV over the past 30 years. And she's doing it by breaking down and analyzing one series at a time. 
She starts with a docuseries that came out on PBS in 1973. I had never heard of this. It was called An American Family. Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. I hadn't either. And I mean, obviously, it was a little before our time, even before my time. But she starts with this idea that this was the first time, again, it was on PBS. This was the first time that cameras were going in and tracking and not really reporting, but sort of recording the day-to-day life of a regular family. From there, she moves on to an episode about the real world. She talks about Survivor, The Bachelor. She covers the Kardashians, Queer Eye, Great British Baking Show, all of the big reality TV series that have come out in the past few decades. And so Mariah herself is the host. She provides her own commentary. She sets up clips. She kind of walks you as the listener through each series. But she also brings in all kinds of media critics, people in academia, like she has collegiate professors who are coming on and talking about the importance of the gender dynamic on The Bachelor or race on the original series, The Real World. It's so fascinating to hear these people who are really smart talking about something that's kind of considered, well, you know, kind of lowbrow entertainment. That is my sweet spot. (laughs) Yes, I knew you would love it. Deep analysis of lowbrow entertainment. Yes. (laughs) And that's exactly what this podcast is. And I love it so much. And another great thing too is you can pick and choose by episode. It's not like some podcasts, you really need to be like there for the whole thing and listen episode by episode. I would say, based on what I've listened to so far, you could actually totally pick and choose. You could go in, if you're like, I don't really have the bandwidth for a new podcast subscription right now, you could just go in and listen to the episode about The Bachelor, and it's super fascinating. Oh, also, she sometimes brings on former contestants from the shows, like Aaron, who I believe was the second Bachelor ever in the series. He's on there. He's giving his, this is what it was really like. This is what I discovered. His side of the story, basically, in that episode. I personally loved, loved, loved the real world episode that premiered in 1992, which was when I was in high school. I watched so many seasons of the real world, but she does a fantastic job of breaking down how the real world came to be, what it meant in popular culture at the time. It's so good. So if you are like Rebecca and I, If you enjoy some reality TV, but you're like a thinking person, you're a thinking person who likes reality TV, you guys are going to love spectacle. It is so well done. Taking something very seriously that is not serious at all. That's my brand. And I am so here for this. I can't (laughs) wait to listen. It's so good. Those are our awesomes of the week. Again, mine was spectacle and unscripted history of reality TV. And Rebecca has her swimsuit. We will put the links in the show notes so you guys can go check those out yourselves. And of course, we want to hear what's awesome in your lives. If you haven't already, come and find us on social media so we can hear what's awesome for you right now. We would love to have you join us over on Instagram. We have so many fun things going on over there every day on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And of course, on Fridays, we do talk about Awesome of the Week. And also in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, which is our home base. It is the heart of our community. Over 5,000 women showing up and being awesome for each other every single day, talking about what's awesome, troubleshooting life problems, giving great advice. I mean, there's just so much good stuff there in the Hangout. So we'd love to have you join us there. Facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Rebecca, we've got some awesome inspired conversation coming up. I can't wait to dig into it when we come right back. 
we've heard from the awesomes and we know that some of you are having a hard time readjusting to reality. Things like wearing pants again and also wearing bras. If that's you, if it's time to give your bra drawer a spring cleaning, you know I'm going to send you over to Third Love. I love Third Love bras. I've been wearing them for years. With Third Love, it is so easy to figure out your perfect size using their fitting room quiz. It's way better than the traditional bra fitting experience because with Third Love, you can do it from the comfort and convenience of your own home. And the even better news is, is that Third Love bras are so comfortable. It is time to break up with your bad bra and fall in love with better bras and underwear. Your boobs deserve it. I love Third Love bras. They are a great fit for me and my mid-40s stage of life, but also my teenage daughters love their Third Love bras too. They are totally spoiled by the comfort they've gotten from their Third Love bras. So, Awesomes, Third Love knows your one true fit is out there. So right now, they're offering you, Awesomes, 20% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash awesome now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash awesome for 20% off today. Friends, I got to tell you the other day, my eight-year-old twins asked to watch the movie about sword fights and giant rats. I got to tell you, it took me in a minute to figure out they were talking about The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid. They love it too. But things have come a long way since we were kids. It seems like we get more instant classics every year. And you know what else is an instant classic? Best Fiends, the top-rated mobile puzzle adventure. Best Fiends has a world full of lovable characters. There are thousands of levels. And I love that more content gets added all the time. I've been playing for a while now, and I have to confess, I'm always checking my phone for their latest update. Now, everyone has a reason to love Best Fiends. My personal favorite reason, the thing I keep coming back to Best Fiends for over and over is that it's such a fun way to de-stress. I think we all need more things that help us wind down these days. And Best Fiends is so satisfying, not to mention absolutely darling to play as a game. And with Best Fiends, the fun never ends. So awesomes, go download Best Fiends for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Okay, awesomes, just a little reminder that Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They have literally rethought every little detail of the socks we wear to make them way more comfortable. Even for people like me who do not super love to wear socks, if I am wearing socks, you better believe they're Bombas because they are so incredibly comfortable. But these socks do more than keep your feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. Because for every pair of socks that you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of over 3,000 giving partners. And the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes. It's a small comfort that's especially important right now. So friends, give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off of your first purchase at bombas.com slash awesome. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash awesome for 20% off of your first purchase. Bombas.com slash awesome. Okay, Rebecca, like I mentioned, this is a topic that really evolved from a conversation that was going on in the Hangout group. Somebody had asked a question and it was kind of like one of those boundaries things. And I think if I remember correctly, that somebody linked in the comments of that discussion on Facebook, a really great article at the blog, Yes and Yes. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Awesome. Adrian had shared that her life was completely changed when she read a blog post written by Laura Tremaine 
where Laura addressed personal policies. And in that blog post, Laura had linked to an article written by Sarah Von Bergen titled, Two Words That Will Make You Happier, Calmer, and More Certain. And those two words are personal policy. Yes, exactly. This was such a great read because it really explores the idea of all of us sometimes feel like, oh man, I really want to be able to kind of draw a boundary line here, or even just sometimes it's with things with other people, things that people ask of us, but sometimes it has to do with decisions that we're making for our own selves, for our own lives. Why don't you give us a general overview of what we're talking about when we talk about personal policies? Sarah describes that frustrating experience that we've all probably had with a customer service at some point. We ask for something, they tell us no. We push back and they reply that it goes against their company policy and there's nothing we can do. And then the conversation is over, right? Yeah. Because we Mm -hmm. all just know, okay, company policy, that's like the book. That's the boundary. That's the hard, fast rule. There's no budget when you go to company policy level conversation with your customer service rep. Well, what if we all started adopting personal policies for ourselves? Things that were like, okay, this is it. This is the hard, fast rule. This is what goes and this is what doesn't. And what freedom we can find in doing that. Yes, exactly, exactly. And in that article at Yes and Yes, she lays out some specific reasons why creating personal policies really can be effective. One of the things that she talks about is placed off of what you were just saying. Having personal policies, she says, create a comfortable distance between us and hard choices. It basically allows you to say, this is my policy and it's not personal. I'm sorry, it's not you. Here's a great example. I have a personal policy not to lend money to friends or family. This is one of the examples that she gave. That's kind of an awkward situation to be in. But again, when you bump up a company's policy, if customer service rep is just like, I'm so sorry, we don't accept returns past 90 days. That's just our company's policy. You know that that person, that customer service rep, they're just the messenger. They're just telling you what the policy is. And so when you have a personal policy, you're just the messenger of your own life policy. Like (laughs) I have a personal policy. I just, I don't lend money to friends or family. Or another example she gives is I have a personal policy to only date people who treat me nicely. So since you're not doing that, this is the end for us. I mean, it kind of just, it gives you something to lean on that's just like, sorry, I can't, I don't know what to tell you. It's just policy. <laughs> Again, right. we're talking about not for a corporation. No, no, for your own life, <laughs> which is so amazing. And I think another thing that she mentions is that this is like training wheels as you are learning to stand up for yourself. We talk about boundaries here and there. The concept of having a boundary around a certain issue is something that may be pretty new for some of us. And it feels awkward and uncomfortable in the beginning. And so she talks about personal policies kind of being training wheels to help you get to that place where it comes much more naturally to be like, no, this relationship is unhealthy. I'm going to end it right now. Until you can get to that point, then you've got your personal policy to fall back on, to support you, to give you the courage and the confidence to stand up for yourself, to enforce those boundaries, whatever they may be. Those were a couple of the reasons that really stood out to me, but she even shared a couple of more reasons, right, Rebecca? 
She also shares some things of how this is actually really good for others. Others may interpret your personal policies better. She says, weirdly, sometimes people respect personal policies more than preferences or requests. And she gives a really good example. She says, picture these two different interactions. The first one being, are you okay to drive? I'm not super comfortable getting into a car with someone who's had two cocktails in an hour. I'll just get a lift. And the second one being, I have a personal policy against riding with people who have had more than two cocktails in an hour. Mm -hmm. And just imagining how somebody would respond to those. The first one, there's some room there to kind of maybe push back a little bit. Be like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, you just sound so much more uncertain. Where the second one, it's like, oh, well, no, this is how it is. And this is how the rest of this interaction is going to go down, basically. And then the second thing she says is personal policies greatly reduce the need for repeated conversations. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. When you express a personal policy, the door isn't left open for you to change your mind. A second reason that she gives is that personal policies greatly reduce the need for repeated conversations. She says when you express a personal policy, the door isn't left open for you to change your mind. And Sarah gives an example of someone asking you if they can borrow money, saying you have a personal policy against loaning money to friends is a lot more firm and lasting than saying, uh, not this time. I really don't think so. But, you know, Adrian from the Hangout in this thread that inspired this conversation, one thing that she said that I thought was so good was that when you respond to somebody with a personal policy, if they do come back to you again, It's okay to respond again with the same personal policy and just repeat yourself. If they didn't hear it and they're questioning if it still applies, it's totally acceptable to just repeat your answer again. Yes, I love that. And I do think that this is such a great point because sometimes people, especially when you very first begin to establish a boundary in a relationship, or maybe it is just like a new policy that this feels right for me. And again, like loaning money to friends and family thing, it takes people maybe a little while to get used to it. Either they want to keep pushing to see, are you serious about this? Or they literally are like, oh my gosh, I, yeah, I forgot that that was your kind of your thing now. It's kind of like having a script with your kids and parenting. Scripting can be so helpful because it's just like always the same answer. They may still keep asking, but it's going to be the same answer every time. It's kind of a grown up version of that. You just lean back onto that personal policy and just that's my personal policy. I just don't loan money to family and friends. And eventually, eventually, hopefully they (laughs) stop asking. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. This is such a great concept. As Rebecca and I talked about our conversation for this episode, we kind of started thinking about some things that we kind of are already doing. Maybe we had never called it a personal policy before. But we started thinking about our lives, both big things and small things, decisions that we've made that even though we had not used the actual phrase, I have a personal policy, this, that it is something that we've built into our lives really as being personal policies for us. So we really thought about it. We wanted to share some examples with you guys just to kind of get you thinking. This can cover a whole spectrum of areas of your life. It can cover relationships. It can cover work boundaries. It could cover... One thing that we're going to talk about that's been super helpful for me is just like our own policies to ourselves. Like if we're Mm -hmm. trying to learn a new habit or if we're trying to break a habit or whatever, putting it into the verbiage of personal policy 
can be really powerful. Rebecca, why don't you kick off our list of our own personal policies we wanted to share? And some of these are more serious than others, right? I am going to kick this one off with one that's a bit more laughable, perhaps. But one of my personal policies is that I have the right to claim a mom tax any time that I please. And allow me to explain. (laughs) Okay. But when my children are asking me here most recently if they can have some of their Easter candy and they bring me a bag of jelly beans or M&Ms or whatever to open for them, especially little Isaac, I may open it and then I just have to say two little simple words, mom tax, and that means they have to share some with me. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I love it. I do this with snacks. I do this with desserts. I do this with special drinks, like open up a can of soda for them or whatever. And the idea is that as their mother, I have sacrificed a whole (laughs) heck of a lot. Okay. Yes. I have taught them how to wipe their butts. I have woken up (laughs) in the middle of the night. I have cleaned vomit out of carpet. Frankly, Mm -hmm. they can never repay me for what I have done for them. (laughs) Yep. But one thing they can do is they can share some jelly beans with me. When I claim mom tax, I take it. (laughs) That is so brilliant. It is so true. They can never repay what they owe to their mother. Not to mention the fact that you literally grew them into human beings. So Exactly. (laughs) I have given them life. I'm not taking it. I'm just asking for some of their potato chips. (laughs) I love it. That's so smart. The first one on my list also has to do with parenting. And this is a policy I made probably, gosh, eight years ago when Minecraft first came into our family's life. I decided I don't care about Minecraft. I barely, barely played video games when I was a kid. I am mm-hmm. not spending my time as a grown-up adult playing video games. Now, listen, have whatever feelings you like about video games. My husband loves to play video games and he plays some with the kids. I myself am not going to play Minecraft. I decided a long time ago, mom doesn't play Minecraft ever. And this has saved me so much time, honestly, because all of them now started with Daisy, then AJ, now the twins, they will come to me with the, I can't figure out how to do this. What do I do? I'm like, sorry, don't know. Mom doesn't do Minecraft. And that has been my answer for eight years. Mom doesn't do Minecraft. So that is a personal policy of mine. (laughs) That's my personal policy. Also after Minecraft, then Roblox became part of our life and is still part of our life. Again, I'm not going to learn how to do Roblox anything. I will help you to spell something if it's complicated spelling. But beyond that, <laughs> sorry, I'm kind of Mom's the same not way, but with like football. Okay, yeah, I'm kind of the same way, but with football, like I tolerate some sports for the sake of my kids. Like I'll kick a soccer ball back and forth. I'll pitch you some baseballs. But listen, I draw the line at football. I don't quite understand the game, and not because I'm stupid, but because I haven't prioritized it. Right? Like I don't right. care to learn the rules of football. I don't have experience catching and throwing a football. The only thing that happens when I try to engage in these things is that I end up feeling clumsy and kind of insecure and bad about myself. And so I've decided I'm not doing it. No, I don't do football. Mom doesn't do football, not because I'm a woman, but because I've made that choice for me. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Oh, so smart. Okay. My second one is that 
When given the choice, I always will pick a homemade dessert over a store-bought dessert. And I heard this, I heard this back when, at some point, when people are talking about gaining weight over the holidays or how to go into the holidays without it completely like over-consuming on sugar or whatever. It's not necessarily diet culture per se, but it is kind of like good life advice. You can eat an Oreo any time you want to. Just go into the store. But how often are you getting grandma's home-baked sugar cookies? Mm, Go mm. for the homemade when given the choice. And that's just a simple little policy that I have chosen for myself. That totally makes sense. I am the same way. The older I get, also my body just it doesn't do great with sugar the older I get. And so if I am going to have a treat, yes, you're right. We're going to go for something that was made with love and intention and good ingredients and it's fresh and it's a treat. Yes, I totally am tracking with all of that as well so much. My second personal policy is one that, again, I just kind of accidentally put into place, but it's become pretty important to me. My personal policy is to maintain good manners texting hours which is to say for people whom I don't know that well. Now, this does not include family members, close friends, but for the most part, I do not send texts after nine o'clock in the evening. And I definitely don't send them before eight o'clock in the morning. I like to have a bubble of low communication. I afford Mm -hmm. that to others. Now, listen, you and I have been texting at like (laughs) 1030 at night, my time. I'm like, how are you still awake? (laughs) Because you're an hour ahead of me. Get close friends. My children, my husband, it doesn't apply so much. My sister, I mean, that's a little bit more, I don't necessarily have a policy around that. But truly, you know, for people who are just kind of either casual contacts or like with the twins doing home learning this year, they have speech therapists and occupational therapists and other things like that, that sometimes we have to communicate. I'm not going to send them a text at like nine o'clock at night. And I hope they're not texting me at 6.30 in the morning. I just think that having... A personal policy around what is good manners for texting, especially these days of 24-hour, seven-day-a-week communication, has been a good policy for me. Yes, that is so smart. It is good for you and is good for those that you are texting. So smart. My next personal policy is that I validate bad days. I do this for the people that I talk to, like my friends, my family, my kids, and I do it for myself. I think there's this perspective that sometimes we cling on to of, well, it could always be so much worse, right? Mm -hmm. It can always be so much worse. And perspective is good and it's healthy, but shame never makes anybody feel better. So I don't think we need to shame ourselves into feeling better about our day by constantly comparing it to, oh, but it could be this, or at least it's Mm. not this. I see this a lot with COVID, especially right now. People can be saying, well, I haven't lost anyone to COVID or I'm not a frontline worker. My kids are doing in-person school. I shouldn't feel so frustrated or upset. But newsflash, you are still living through a global pandemic that has changed the way that we live our daily lives at even the smallest levels. And it is okay to be having a hard time. Yes. This is trauma. Your trauma is still trauma, even if somebody else may have what appears to be more significant or more worthy trauma. There's not really a what's worthy type of game when it comes to bad days, hurt feelings, trauma, grief. You're allowed to feel what you're feeling. 
personal policy, somebody's having a bad day, I listen, I validate, I do not shame with a, well, it could be worse type of conversation. I will testify as somebody who's on the receiving end of your policy that this is so kind and compassionate of you. I can't even tell you. I mean, just like a recent example, me and my family, all of us except for Kyle got sick with a very gnarly stomach virus that came with fever and body aches and chills, like all the things earlier this month. And then just talking to you, you're always the first person to be like, I am so sorry you are going through that. That sounds terrible. You're always compassionate when something is going badly, whether it's emotionally, physically, those types of things. I just want to validate that in you. I'm affirming your affirmation of people going through bad days. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Thank you. But seriously, I always know that you're going to always respond with compassion. I will always join somebody in celebrating how awful their day is. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly think it's truly one of your gifts in terms of being such a feeling type. You're so strong on the feeling spectrum between thinking and feeling. And I think that you are so in tune with your own feelings. And also as a sort of outgrowth of that, then you really honor the feelings of other people. And we need people like that. Sometimes, of course, we need people who are going to be like, well, let's look at the facts. Let's assess this logically. We need all kinds, but you right. really lean right. into that feeling side. Okay. So the third personal policy that I have, again, this is not really, I've never really thought about it formally, but as we thought about this conversation, I realized I have a pretty firm personal policy with myself that I just do not do any kind of pop culture that centers around the dysfunctional family motif. Oh, okay. Whether it is a book, I feel like a lot of books that are really popular that a lot of people read and talk about, I feel like a lot of times they have some kind of dysfunctional family element, troubled family dynamics at the core, definitely TV shows that people get really into. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And it's not comfortable. It's not fun. It's not entertaining to me. It's not engaging. It brings so many bad feelings to me in experiencing that, even if it's a book that's really beautifully well-written and has a really powerful, bigger picture and message to it. You know, somebody has a degree in English and used to teach English, like I can appreciate it on that level. But for my own personal choices of entertainment and how I'm going to spend my time, I just have noticed through the years that I get so tense whenever I'm trying to read a book like that or watching a movie or a TV series where there's a lot of strained family relations and that sort of drives the story along. Rebecca, I just decided this isn't fun for me. And even if everybody else is totally into it and totally digging it, this isn't fun. I hate it. It's triggering a lot of things for me. I don't want it. Even if it's popular, I'm just not going to do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. And I think if people sit down and think about it, there's probably lots of personal policies that people have around the entertainment of, well, maybe it's something like, I won't watch rated R movies, or I won't engage in true crime that a child is a victim, or I don't do horror movies. I mean, that would be one of mine. I watch Jurassic Park with my friends because they're terrible people who like pressure <laughs> me into doing that. And I left feeling like I have spent money to sit and be stressed out of my mind and out of my body for like an hour and a half. Like everybody, there's probably lots of different personal policies. And I think it's great that you finally recognize this one because this one is maybe not quite as obvious and a little bit more nuanced. And I think that's great. 
Yeah. Good for you. That's been one that has worked well for me. And again, it did take me a while to realize this isn't good and I'm just not going to do this anymore. (laughs) Those are some of the personal policies that Rebecca and I have realized that we have put into our lives, put in place in our lives over the years. We have a few more we want to share with you when we come right back. Friends, we all know that life can be stressful even under normal circumstances and last year challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond the quick fixes, and that's why there's Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps that's actually advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. If you need some help falling asleep, Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for you parents out there, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I've been using Headspace for almost a year now. It has completely changed my life. I never thought I would be a person who talked about how awesome meditating is. But you guys, with Headspace, I have more peace and mental clarity than I've ever experienced in my life. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash awesome. That's headspace.com slash awesome for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal being offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash awesome today. All right, friends, you know, when you need a doctor, you need a doctor now, not in a few days and not in a few weeks and definitely not in a few months. If you need to see an MD ASAP, we've got a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment either in person or by video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. So whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or another specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash awesome and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find a new doctor. It has completely eliminated the decision fatigue and the overwhelm of finding a new care provider in my life because ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash awesome and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash awesome. Okay, Rebecca, we shared before the break, each of us shared kind of three personal policies that we have either intentionally or unintentionally worked into our lives. What else do you have on your list? So this is one that I've talked about a little bit before on the podcast, but it is worth mentioning again. It is a personal policy of mine that I don't do Facebook birthdays. Yes. I don't have my own birthday on Facebook and I don't wish people happy birthday on Facebook. The monster that I am. <laughs> this and is so here's smart. Why. It used to stress me out so much. Like, did I get to people's birthdays? It was like as soon as I logged into Facebook, I was assigned a task and a job I had to do. And then sometimes you're just not in the mood to do a job right then. And so then you forget about it and then you feel bad and then you feel guilty or you do choose to write something. It's like, well, what do you write? Are you just going to say the same thing that everybody else says? Or are you going to say something different? And I just I thought about it too much. 
now, instead of stressing out about wishing people happy birthday on Facebook, if we have the kind of relationship that would warrant a phone call, a card, or a text, then I do that. Yes. But I don't post anything on their social media, and I don't acknowledge your birthday at all if we do not have the type of relationship that would warrant a phone call, card, or text. Yep. And then because I felt guilty that I wrote off acknowledging other people's birthdays on Facebook, I started feeling guilty then when my birthday would roll around and then I would be flooded with all these messages. I was like, well, let's just even the playing field here. Let's just remove birthdays on Facebook from the equation altogether. And I've taken my birthday off of Facebook and it's just a relief. Yep. I was overthinking it too much. I hated it. It felt like a job. It felt like an obligation. I removed it and it's so much better. You shared this on Sorta Awesome. It was a revelation to me. I was like, I literally didn't know that was an option. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely like, I didn't know you could actually remove it from your profile. (laughs) Yeah. You shared it on Sorta Awesome. That year, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, was the year Nico was born. Nico's birthday is one day after mine. If there's ever a year when I'm going to take my birthday down just so I don't have that Facebook overwhelm, which I think there's a category of people who get Facebook overwhelmed. And I'm like the leader of that pack. But I thought if there's ever a year when I don't want to log into Facebook and feel overwhelmed with stuff, it's going to be the combo of birthday wishes for me and congratulations for Nico's arrival. And so I took it down that year and I didn't put it back up. And it is truly such a relief to not have the birthday burden of Facebook chasing you down every year. I highly recommend it. Give it a try. (laughs) Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. Well, the next one on my list has to do with work-life balance. This is something I've tried to institute for a while. I'm not always great at it, but I do try to maintain a work-free Sunday. Now, some of you may be thinking this has some kind of religious roots or connotation. And while certainly traditionally Judeo-Christian religion, I'm sure there are others as well encourage, if not demand, a day of rest during the week. And I guess probably some of that plays into it, but I just know for myself that I have a tendency to keep working into the realm of burnout. And if I can take just one day a week where I don't even let myself, even if I wanted to work on something, this is where you have a personal policy to remind your own self of your own rule for your own good. (laughs) I just don't let myself work on Sunday. I need some complete downtime where maybe I have some ideas percolating in my mind, but I don't sit down with my planner and sketch out anything for work. I don't do social media. If we have, from time to time, we'll have maybe like an urgent thing, a question that needs to be addressed in the hangout group or something. I will do that. But for the most part, I try to keep Sundays work free that I don't go into burnout mode. And I do think for some people, especially if you take your work home with you from the office. For example, I know when I was teaching, I always taken that bag filled with papers to grade and those types of things. Or if you're like you and I, and you have online work where there's no set work hours, you know, it can be really hard to be, okay, this is my absolutely do not work time. For me, it's Sunday. It's a personal policy that I just don't work on Sundays. And that has brought so much freedom to my life to rest and relax and Having that personal policy, again, it reminds my own self of my own rule. And that's been really healthy for me. That's really, really so smart. My next one is one that when I was thinking about this, I was like looking back 
And I realized that this was kind of a parenting choice that I had made in the past. It no longer applies to my life, but it certainly was a key in how I raised my babies. And that personal policy is that as a breastfeeding mother, I never fed my babies with a bottle. Now, I want to be clear that other people gave my babies bottles and I wasn't like anti bottles. (laughs) But if I was with my baby, I did not feed them a bottle. And I made this a personal policy for a couple of reasons. Number one, pumping breast milk is not fun. And I personally would rather breastfeed my baby directly rather than pump ahead of time and deal with that. Number two, I didn't want to worry about my milk supply because I had pumped ahead of schedule or at a weird time or because I skipped a feeding or because I supplemented with formula. It was just something I would overthink and I would worry about and I wanted to eliminate that stress. It would cause me more stress in the long run in mental thinking and sometimes even physical stress with skipping feedings then it would alleviate any stress in the moment that a bottle maybe would have helped with. Yes. And then lastly, I wanted to normalize breastfeeding. I still believe that there's quite a stigma against nursing, especially nursing in public. And I feel like if we continue to always breastfeed in hiding, I mean, that's kind of a dramatic way of saying it, but if we always breastfeed in hiding, then we'll never get used to seeing nursing mothers and nursing in public won't become a more normalized, acceptable thing, which it certainly can be. And I feel like it should be. To be clear, though, if I didn't feel comfortable nursing in public or wherever I was, then I always would excuse myself. But I didn't want to give a bottle to my baby because I was worried about whether or not it was appropriate to nurse my baby. My thought process was it's always appropriate for me to nurse my baby. However, if I choose to excuse myself, that's up to me. But I'm not going to bring a bottle along just because I'm breastfeeding hasn't been normalized for public. That was my personal belief. I don't think with any of my three children, I ever fed them a bottle myself. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I totally track with all of your reasoning on that. That absolutely makes sense. My mostly breastfed babies wouldn't even take bottles. Now the twins were the exception and they also were the ones who weaned when they were around six months. And so we moved them over to formula, but my other babies are just like, yeah, we know we're going to pass on this. (laughs) So that clears things up real fast. (laughs) Well, in some babies, they wouldn't even take a bottle, like forget just refusing a bottle. If mom is there, why in the world would they want a bottle? They're like, wait, 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 you have not fooled me. (laughs) I know the real deal is right there. (laughs) Some babies can be very persnickety about those types of things for sure, for sure. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys the next one on my list. This is the big policy fail of mine, and I failed it quite publicly, honestly. I decided probably like two years ago, just to myself, I didn't make a big deal out of this. I did not put it on my social media or even, I don't even know if I really talked about it on the show, but just for my own self, my own inward ethics. I decided I'm not going to buy makeup that's not marked cruelty-free. I'm not like a big animal rights super activist or anything, but just because I do buy and use a lot of makeup, skin, hair care products, it just was like, you know what, this is like a little thing that I can do to contribute to what I think is a better 
earth, a better experience of life on this earth, even if we're talking about for animals, just privately to myself. I was like, I will buy cruelty-free makeup. And honestly, there are so many brands now. It's easier than ever, I think, to whatever kind of product you're looking for. You can find it from a cruelty-free makeup or skincare or hair care company. It's not that hard. I had, again, privately decided that to myself. Well, Rebecca, here's where not having a specific personal policy can kind of get tripped up. I basically forgot... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just sort of faded from my mind that that was a thing that had become important to me. A couple of weeks ago on this show, sort of awesome, my awesome of the week was that Maybelline Snapscara Mascara. Maybelline is totally not, totally not a cruelty-free makeup company. It's a great mascara, but it is not cruelty-free. And so I don't even know what made me think about it, but I was like, oh yeah, and buying cruelty-free makeup. And I was like, oh shoot, wait a second. Have I been doing that? No, I have not. (laughs) Somewhere along the way, that policy just became real fuzzy in my mind. I genuinely forgot that that was something that I think it was because I specifically was looking for a either a replacement for my Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which is cruelty free, which I love. And so I'd run into the drugstore and grab this, not even thinking about my own personal policy about cruelty free makeup. And then I failed myself. Because I (laughs) had not made it a priority, I guess, to be like, this is my personal policy that I only buy cruelty-free beauty products. So I'm back on the cruelty-free bandwagon saying it publicly. Maybe this time, Rebecca, I can take it seriously to myself. There is something so relatable to you saying, I forgot that was important to me. Yep. Oh, man. You know, yeah. you get distracted by life and it's like, oh, man, I've defined my own ethical boundary on this. Great. Good job, self. Oh, that's funny. OK, well, my last one is quite a doozy. And honestly, it took me years of working through this to get to this. But it is my personal policy to believe that God cries with me when I'm struggling with something. For a couple of reasons, this might be questionable theology. There's the belief that sometimes God tests us or allows us to walk through something hard to teach us something. There's the belief that God knows every single thing that is going to happen to us and how our life is completely planned out and our days are numbered. And those things, they might be true. But when I am deep in sorrow, it brings me great comfort to believe that God is crying with me. I believe that he designed this world to be a perfect place and that when sickness and death destroy us, that he is also grieving. And there was a time in my life where I think I put more emphasis on God allowing things to happen to us. And then therefore, my sorrow turned to anger towards God of why did you allow this? Why did you take this? Why is this happening? Why didn't you answer my prayer? And I think those are valid questions. And I don't think that the theology that God knows all is wrong. But when I am like deep in the sadness about something, I just need to cling on to God's goodness. And I can't do that if I feel like God is hitting me over the head with bad things Mm. in order to teach me something or to see me grow. Instead, I think that. 
I just need to cling on to that God is also saddened when sad things happen to us and that that's Mm. not God's plan for us and that that wasn't his original intention for this earth, for this place and for his people. That's my personal policy to believe that God cries with me when I'm struggling with something. That's so beautiful and so powerful. It reminds me a sort of like correlation in my faith. Notably, most people who've been in a Catholic church or seen a Catholic rosary know that for Catholics, the crucifix has the body of Christ on it. And so whether you're at mass or if you're praying or if you have some kind of religious jewelry, if you have a crucifix, it's with the body of Christ, the suffering body of Christ on it. And that has been so powerful for me along the lines of what you were just saying as a reminder that Christ suffered and suffers with us as we are going through, like we can identify with him and he identifies with us in that common ground of suffering. I absolutely track with what you're saying. That's really, really powerful. Notably, you saved your like most serious one for the end. I saved my least serious one for the end. So I don't know (laughs) what to do about that. There's not really a good segue. (laughs) Cue the great transition here. (laughs) Ding! Maybe we could have planned this out better, but truly, (laughs) this is the least serious one for me, and it is actually a policy for me. I have a personal policy to do some kind of little reward for myself when I'm out running errands. I hate running errands. I just find it to be annoying. Now, COVID has cut down on errand running quite a bit, but even still, especially now that things are beginning to open up and those types of things, I'm finding myself... I mean, with my kids back in school, that's not exactly an errand, but you know, like we're out and about more is what I'm saying. Well, Rebecca, I used to have a policy that I would reward myself for going out running errands by going through the drive through at McDonald's, spending $1 on myself to get a McDonald's Diet Coke, because any Diet Coke fan knows that the McDonald's variety of Diet Coke has a special kind of drug in it. That makes it so good. <laughs> Some kind of fairy magic. I don't know what's going on. There is no Diet Coke like a McDonald's Diet Coke. And so for years and years and years, I would, again, I just have like a dollar, just spend a dollar, get that large Diet Coke. It was a reward for myself for doing the dreaded errands. Well, I'm off the Diet Coke now. Not sad about it. Pretty happy that I've been off Diet Coke really since quarantine began. But I missed that little treat for myself for doing the errands. Now my personal policy is that when I go out and I get the errands run, I treat myself with grabbing an iced coffee somewhere. Now, yes, I know how to make iced coffee at home. I can do it. That's not the point. The point is (laughs) a treat. Somebody else makes it. I get a treat for myself while I'm out running errands. And I have a firm personal policy that that has to happen. Okay. Are there a certain number of errands that you have to be running? Or is it like one errand? Like you go to the post office, then you get that she's holding she's holding up a mostly empty yep iced coffee, iced coffee container i did i had to run one extra errand this morning after school drop off and it just happened to be close by to a certain gas station where i like to get my trashy coffee so i was like you know what i did run that errand and i'm getting an iced coffee for it that's amazing i need that kind of excuse to splurge on myself more often because i think i probably have more of the personal policy of if coffee is made at home i will not buy coffee while out yeah cuz i don't yeah. want to waste the coffee that's already waiting for me at home and my husband yeah. always overmakes coffee on a 
daily basis. Really? Yeah, it kind of drives me crazy. And so I feel like I always have this obligation that, well, I have to drink this coffee because otherwise it's just going to get thrown away. (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That is an economic thing. I can't remember exactly the words. It's the sunk cost theory. Like if you've already spent the money on it, you have to keep it because you spent the money on it. But Rebecca, I would just like to release you from that burden. You get you a nice coffee the next time you're out. You deserve it just for being you. Oh, just for being me. Yes. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I can enable anybody to do anything. (laughs) Okay. These are our personal policies. You know we want to hear from you. I hope that this conversation that Rebecca and I have had has helped you to think as you're listening, like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it, but I actually do have some pretty good personal policies. And or you're thinking like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to be able to do to have this conversation with this person in this area. I need a personal policy. You know, we want to hear what you guys are thinking about as you're listening to this show. Rebecca, remind people where they can find you all around the web. Well, you can find my website at simplyrebecca.com. And then you can find me all over social media at simplyrebecca. And you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. Again, like I said at the top of the show, Sorta Awesome is everywhere. Whatever social media thing you are into, search for Sorta Awesome and you will find us there. Yeah, I think that does it for this week. This has been such a fun conversation. Can't wait to hear what the awesomes have to say. You guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.